0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry.
1: This is Alicia Andrews, and I'm a PGY1 community pharmacy resident, and I work for Hy-Vee in Iowa City, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMax Ankeny campus. We're going to be talking with innovative new pharmacy practitioners and soon-to-be pharmacy graduates. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 pharmacy videos supporting my audio book, Memorizing Pharmacology. Today we're going to be talking with Alicia Andres, community pharmacy resident at hy V Pharmacy in Iowa City, Iowa, 2016 graduate of the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy, who is actively involved in travel clinics, immunizations, and teaching pharmacy students at the College of Pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast.
1: Thanks. Happy to be here.
0: Well, everyone's leadership road is a little different. Uh, let's start where you are today and, and how you got into your current position.
1: Okay, so it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to shorten it up a little bit. So when I initially started pharmacy school, my plan was to kind of go straight into working into a community pharmacy. I had several years of experiencing working as a technician before school, um, and I continued that on as a student, and I kind of thought I knew my exact path. Um, I thought I would, um, just go straight into kind of the retail aspect. Um, but kind of fast forwarding into, um, P three year, uh, I was at EPHA annual meeting and I ran into Stevie Beach, who is the residency director for the community program at Iowa. Um, so my current re- residency director, and she kind of introduced me to the community residency program at Iowa and kind of planted a seed into, um, what the program was, um, and maybe something that I might be interested in. I was still at that point, pretty sure that I wanted to go straight into working after graduation. Um, but it kind of made me more curious about, um, what type of residency was available outside of the hospital. Um, Because as I went through rotations, I hated, honestly, to be in the hospital. I was bored. I didn't think it was fast-paced enough. It's okay. Um,
0: It's okay. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So um, I went through rotations and ended up kind of falling in love with the ambulatory care aspect of things and the impact um, that pharmacists could have um, through patient education and the management of medications. Um, But I knew I still didn't want to be in a hospital setting. Um, And so... It really wasn't where my passion was. And so I actually had a um, rotation with one of the community residencies, uh, our residents at the time last year. Um, And she spent the majority of her her time with me on the rotation and working um, with that resident, kind of showing me what a resident can do um, what type of impacts we can make as a resident and then kind of outlining where you can go after residency because, um, it was kind of in the middle. So she was trying to start to think about where she wanted to go. Um, and so she kind of was the one who pushed me more and was kind of at the point where I was like, well, I really don't know what I want to do. Mid-year was coming up. I didn't think I wanted to go to mid-year and she was like, okay, what do we need to do to get you to apply for the program? And so she was the one that kind of read all my stuff and got me ready and I was super nervous because I really hadn't been focusing on residency through my entire pharmacy school experience. So I didn't know if my CV would really stand out. Um, But luckily, I did get selected for an interview. Um, And so there I connected with Thane, who's my residency coordinator.
0: Yeah. And uh, we have that connection in that was uh, in charge of my wife's uh, residency and she had a fantastic experience there and now works at the VA uh, with cardiologists, pulmonologists, uh, really working at the top of her license and uh, they provided an excellent uh, experience for her. So uh, congratulations on that. And I, I think you told me that uh, you applied to one residency program is that right
1: yeah I kind of put all my eggs in one basket and I applied just for the Iowa program um and so they have six different sites um and so there was not necessarily just I'd be stuck at at one site particularly but I kind of interviewed kind of at all the different sites but yeah I just did the Iowa community program
0: Okay. And then Robert was telling us that maybe there would be another site uh, that he's working on creating. And, and that's very Robert-like. He's such a leader in that he, he would create and say, well, let's even make one more site near where I already live. So that's kind of cool. Well, how did you fit these aspects of choosing, applying for, and visiting potential residency sites into your P4 year? Uh, and then why did you choose Iowa and Iowa City uh, specifically for your residency?
1: Yeah. So like I said, I was kind of late in the game. I kind of decided mid-year through or midway through my P4 year that I was going to try to pursue a residency. Um, and so it's kind of was guided through that resident and also some of my preceptors who com- commented throughout that maybe that if I wasn't thinking about residency that I should. And so I started again, thinking about more, I researched several programs, um, throughout the United States. Um, I've got family kind of all over. So I thought, um, I could do like, I looked at Tennessee, Texas, Colorado. Um, I knew like there was some good practice in, um, the North Carolina, South Carolina area. So, um, I also looked at that. Um, but ultimately I decided to stay in Iowa. Um, it was more so because I knew that the community program was so well established and respected and there's, that we're pretty innovative and um also um I guess advanced in Iowa um as a state. And so um I kind of went with that route. Um my boyfriend also at the time we've been together well, we have been together for about seven years and he was pretty um resistant to moving, wanted to stay he was working on a business of his own. So I decided that I would just apply for this one program. Um and I really feel like Iowa is kind of where I wanted to be practicing in the start of my career since there it is There is a lot of advancements coming. Um, And so in the community practice, obviously, um, I wanted to continue to advance that and be like outside of the dispensing level uh, and do more quality clinical services, um, which is what I'm ultimately interested in. So since the standards continue to rise, I really enjoy um, the challenges and collaboration that Iowa allows. And so I think that Iowa is a good place as a practice um, point, but also I grew up in the Iowa City area. I love like Iowa city has an atmosphere. Um, and so it kind of was an easy choice, uh, to stay in Iowa City, where my friends and a lot of my immediate family are. Um, and then again, kind of cherry on top is the, um, college of pharmacy just being such a nice academic center. So there's plenty of opportunities to get involved with teaching too.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about the, Pepper program a little bit later, uh, but I, I remember that uh, being there with Mindy, uh, we got a lot of chances to uh, work with students in and, and many, many different classes. I want to say that I taught in six different classes, so uh, really a wealth of experience uh, that uh, we got there. Um, but how do you feel that uh, you became maybe a leader or innovator uh, at the University of Iowa and how the opportunities have helped you? That You mentioned that um, you now have a moniker that is associated with your uh, focus on travel Vaccines, but you kind of get a, a sense that you've got your place there. Um, what are the things that you're innovating and uh, in doing there?
1: It's funny you say that. I just feel like I like when I look at leaders and innovator in like the pharmacy world. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily think of myself. Um, and so I wasn't super involved as a leader uh, in as a student because I worked a lot. And so I definitely had like leadership roles at my. Job um, where I trained and kind of helped mentor other students and technicians that were working on getting into pharmacy school. Um, the one thing I did, I guess, was I coordinated the College of Pharmacy Ball, um, which is like pharmacy prom. Uh, and so I learned <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> Yeah, you I learned have a- to
0: tell me about this. I, yeah. I didn't, What is pharmacy prom? <laughs> uh,
1: so, yeah, so it's like a nice event and it, it can go from being super formal to being more laid back, but um, it's just an event kind of that they throw in the spring and it's kind of just an appreciation for the students just kind of to get together and you still network because we bring in a lot of different faculty we bring in different um, pharmacy people from the Iowa City area uh, and they usually volunteer for certain aspects so we did my last year that I did it and we did like a roaring 20s type theme so we gambled and they had different professors and um, residents come in who played like the um the the dealers and things like that. Um, And then there was like a a costume contest, things like that. So it's just a way to kind of get together. That's not necessarily pharmacy focused, but you're with your pharmacy family um, and celebrating kind of your accomplishments throughout the year. And then just kind of just an informal way to also network. So uh, I definitely learned a lot of non-traditional leadership roles in that aspect, because there's a lot of coordination of um, different personalities that you have to work with um, how to time manage really well Um, and you'd sign a lot of different contracts for the college and things like that. So a lot of really interesting opportunities that aren't necessarily patient care, but can be transferred over, um, to when you're trying to think about, um, working on like a team or doing patient care in the real life. So.
0: Yeah, it sounds like uh a lot of times we we talk about leadership and it, that you have to have a title and and in your case you really don't have to have a title but you're clearly important to the school, you're clearly important to your organization and uh maybe if we uh, don't worry so much about the titles but the the investment that we make and then uh certainly uh, it seems like you got a lot out of it. But I do I do really want to know about this travel clinic thing. I know that Back in 09, Thane was trying to get this thing going and she's finally succeeded. Uh, but tell me, what exactly is a travel clinic and what did you or uh, your residency site preceptor have to do with getting it approved for this clinic? You know, and how's it going?
1: Yeah, so um, I'll do it in a nutshell. So Travel Clinic is kind of meeting with patients on an appointment base. And so they will send in like their travel history, their current medications, and their vaccination records ahead of time. And then we use the CDC um, recommendations and also the like state travel registry type thing um, to kind of compile a bunch of information and give recommendations on what they need medically while traveling. So I mostly give recommendations on vaccines, uh, anti-malarial medications, traveler diarrhea medications and altitude sickness medications as well. Um, But I also talk about safe practices to avoid contracting illnesses or diseases while traveling and kind of just safety precautions um, in general and specific to the area, um, just depending on the need. So I typically meet with the patient's who really are traveling all over the world, um, and are at various ages. So the youngest I've done is a 10 month old and the oldest has probably been in their seventies. So they obviously 10 months, 10 months. Yeah. They're oh going my to Africa. Gosh,
0: I can't, I can't imagine. I just took my three daughters to the hy v to get their, um, to get their immunizations and I put it up on YouTube. Well, I put the one up on YouTube cause she was really brave. The other one was screaming and it's a good thing that the door was closed, but, uh, mm-hmm. that was, um, uh, again, this flu mist thing uh, was really tough. Uh, do you have know. any recommendations for people with children uh, since you've been able to do this with a 10-month-old? Because uh, I'm a pharmacist. We had another pharmacist, obviously, that was doing the injection. But how do you help children who don't get the, the nasal this time that they have to get an injection like that? That sounds so young.
1: Yeah, it does. So, well, luckily with like the 10 month old, she had no idea what was going on just because or, like her mom was like cuddling her and stuff. And I just gave the injection quick and we were done. She didn't even cry. She was an awesome first. Like that was the youngest I've ever actually given a vaccine to. Um, but the kids that are a little bit older who are a little bit more afraid, you get kind of into the four or five year old up into like 11 or 12 usually that are really, really nervous about it um, and end up like in tears, screaming, things like that. So what I try to do is first of all, I tell them, hey, like this is going to protect you. Um, You don't like to be sick. Um, So let's do this. It'll be really quick. And then I like to bribe them with candy. So that usually gets it done. So (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't mind giving kids vaccines. A lot of the other pharmacists that. I work with, don't enjoy it. Not that I enjoy it, but, um, they would rather not if they didn't have to. So I'm usually the one that it, they all get pawned off on. Um, and so I usually just ask them about school, try to distract them, have them take deep breaths. Um, and then it's usually over before they can even, usually they're more upset before. Um, but and then when it's over, they're like, Oh, that was it. I just well, that's tried to. Exciting. Be uh,
0: what about, uh, did you mention uh, Thane and setting it up and, and how that all came to be?
1: Yeah. So Thane is like really given should get, be highly praised and given a ton of credit for setting it up. So she originally marketed marketed it to local clinics um, and actually was turned down um, because uh, the physicians in the office really liked to provide the service. And then I think a few years later. That physician uh, retired, so she revisited the idea, um, and the doctors at the clinics loved it. So you just have to keep trying, I guess. You never want to hear no, but when you do, just be respectful and then maybe come back at another time where it's more um, opportunistic for both the clinic and the pharmacy. She also um, is, I think, one of two pharmacists now in the state of Iowa who's able to give yellow fever vaccines, um, and she had to set that up through the director of public health in Iowa, um, who... I think turned her down um, originally, and so she had to work really diligently to get that approved as well. So that uh, says a lot about her and her diligence and uh, her want and need to provide services for the community because travel clinic is very expensive normally. Uh, and so we try to provide that at a f- an affordable way for patients to get the service uh, and so that they don't have to go elsewhere um, or try to figure it out on their own. So they're really having the most safe trips possible
0: no that sounds like a great service that you guys are providing and uh that she's one of only two in the state is is just really cool and uh just a testament to her persistence that's fantastic great we'll be right back but first a word from our sponsor are you a young pharmacist facing a truckload of student debt? Are you confused about how to start saving for retirement? Hi, this is Tim Baker, a certified financial planner and founder of Script Financial. Script Financial is a fee-only financial planning firm dedicated to helping pharmacists and young professionals meet their financial goals. From establishing and maintaining a budget, to tackling that mountain of student debt, to giving you advice on how to properly save for retirement, Script Financial puts you on the path to financial independence. Schedule a free consult by visiting scriptfinancial.com. Script Financial, the prescription to financial freedom. Now back to the pharmacy podcast. Uh, but yeah. What other clinical activities are you doing there at Hy-Vee? Uh, how can other pharmacists or pharmacies learn from what you're doing? I've heard of biometric screenings, immunizations, MTM, diabetes. Uh, what are you guys doing over there?
1: Yeah, so we do all of those things definitely. Um and on top of travel. And so my weeks are always really exciting because I get to do something different every day in a mix of, um, different things. So, um, kind of on top of those services or going along with those services. Um, I also do, um, a lot of transitions of care work at our, um, pharmacy. So we get discharge summaries from both, uh, Mercy and Iowa City and, um, the University of Iowa. And so we look at those summaries and then contact the patients to make sure that they don't have any additional questions about their um, medications, about changes, make sure that they um, have made the appropriate changes. Um, And so... I do a lot of advanced counseling with those patients, and do follow up and make sure they're going to their appointments, so they're staying out of the hospital. Um, I also am what's new this year. I'm teaching smoking cessation classes, and so Thane and I um, do like a conference call type thing for people who aren't able to attend a live class in their um, community at with their high v pharmacist. So we do those, um, and I've taught probably like 60 classes in the last two months. Six, so did
0: you say six zero?
1: Six zero, sixty. Yes.
0: Holy moly. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. (laughs) We've we've ranged. So the smallest call we've had, I think, is like seven or eight uh, towards the beginning. And then my calls that I'm doing right now, because they're um, getting to be towards the deadline, I've got like 50 on one of my calls. So we're impacting a lot of people, um, hopefully positively. Um, Maybe
0: next year we can just have everybody get together on one day at Kinnick. And then that would just be easier and you'd have, you know, 60,000, 70,000 seats.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the class is like a series of six. So, um, it's not, I guess I haven't taught like 60 of the same exact lecture, but, um, Def, yeah, between that and like the makeup classes for people who've had emergencies, I, between Thane and I, um, we've definitely done like 60 or maybe more. So it's pretty crazy. And we also taught some live classes as well in the Iowa City area just to kind of get a feel for what that would be like as well. Um, so that was, that's been taking up a lot of my time lately. Um, but then I am also still doing like the MTM or equipped equip type platforms. I pretty much manage those for my store. And then I also go out and help train other pharmacists, um, to how to implement MTM in their store, uh, and how to utilize their technicians, um, to help take some of like the load off of preparing the, uh, MTMs and things like that and delivering them in a concise way. That's, um, appropriate and making sure we're still identifying all like the drug therapy problems. Um, so I travel, I travel, um, maybe one day a week, uh, usually for that, maybe a little bit less, um, probably a little less since we've had flu shot clinics and things like that. Um, then I also help them kind of, uh, get caught up on their cues cause they tend to get bogged down cause they're a little bit intimidated by all of the different, um, platforms like outcomes and merics and equip and what to do with them and how to manage them appropriately. So I kind of helped that. Um, it's, I think really nice because hy is really committed to going above and beyond for their patients' health care and providing kind of a patient centered approach to care. Um, and so I think the company really emphasizes that the pharmacists spend time with their patient, um, so that they can get that individualized service and MTM is a big part of that.
0: Um, so uh, to do that though uh, and and you're a resident and uh, now you're you're training these uh, other pharmacists but uh, a lot of the dispensing might have gotten in the way but high uh, v's gone to central fill uh, for some of that dispensing role um, can you tell me a little bit more uh, for those people that are outside of the midwest that may have never heard of high uh, v and why is it a good place to perform these services um And what is it about uh, this kind of employee-owned company that that helps them, uh, that their corporate culture or that the culture of Hy-Vee helps uh, these things happen?
1: Yeah, so Hy-Vee is uh – an awesome company to work for. And the way that they set up central fill uh, really takes off, like you said, some of that dispensing role. So the central fulfillment center allows a more streamlined process to dispensing. So it's all kind of in a big warehouse. Um, The pharmacists that are focusing on checking are solely focused on checking, and the technicians are solely focused on dispensing. So you're not getting those interruptions. Um, And so there's less errors coming back. And if a patient doesn't need a prescription right away, we can send it out um, and have it back even sometimes the next day because we get orders twice a day. Um, and so usually we get it at the very next day, at the very latest. So it also helps um, keep our costs down as well in the store um, and um, frees up our technicians to do more advanced duties, um, thus kind of freeing up the pharmacist to spend more time with patients and providing them more individualized expanded services. So it, if we didn't have Central Fill, um, I feel like some of the advanced services probably wouldn't be allowed, um, especially in some of the stores that are filling like 500, 600 scripts a day. Um, Our goal, I think, for Central Fill is like 50% of the scripts, but I think a lot of stores are hitting like between the 30 and 40%, so it's still a ton of scripts um, that are not having to be packaged in the pharmacy. Um, And um, so the staff, again, isn't focused on pushing out hundreds of scripts, but instead kind of the quality of the patient interact and identifying, kind of solving the individual needs of a patient. Um, I think at my store, especially, we have kind of extra um, need in patients because of our patient population. And so, so we're able to spend more time counseling or if they come with a problem that maybe isn't directly related to like the specific medication we're filling that day, we have time that we can talk to them over the counter about things or call their doctor um, or solve insurance issues, maybe going above and beyond. And as you mentioned, you Hy-Vee's pretty unique because it is employee owned. So if we want to implement or market a new service, it can really go to just our store director. Um, so is like our, our big store manager um, in most cases. And they're able to give us the go ahead as opposed to kind of the larger companies um, where they've got to go through like the big corporate ladder for approval and then our structure also allows for good communication as well so we don't have a giant corporate staff um it's really managed by some core individuals who are really amazing at their job and really um specific about what they focus on so um we kind of have our vice president and then um there's a vice president of op- operations and then we have our seven supervisors. So um the seven supervisors kind of all keep track of an area, but they also specialize in different projects. So some people specialize in, in MTM, in DME, um, in immunizations. Um there's several different like specializations that they have. And so they're able to focus and then hand down projects um to Thane and I. Um and we can always bounce ideas off of each other and they're very open and sta- are very connected with the stores um individually um and kind of what's going on in the pharmacy world in highvy land
0: um so uh, we had anna shields from drake who was up in uh kelly ross pharmacy up in washington state and she was the only resident at her site and uh, she enjoyed that that was the way that she wanted to go but uh, you s- Yours is a little bit different. We talked a little bit about this, that I think there are six and maybe going to be seven uh, sites uh, at the in the Iowa program. Um, students are going to be descending on, I believe, Las Vegas uh, in uh, December to be yep. to try to make their decisions.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll be and, there.
0: <laughs> but you guys are at APHA uh, in spring, maybe?
1: Yeah, but um, also we're going to um, mid-year, too, to recruit, so I'll be there.
0: Oh, okay. So you're what, like, when, when you're talking to them... Um, What is it about the uh, multi-site residency program that you think is maybe an advantage over the single site?
1: Yeah, it's really nice because you do kind of have a group of people that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of. Um, We all have different project focus, but we all get together and kind of help each other. Um, And then one specific kind of way is like if I were to implement a service, it's possible that another one of our sites maybe already has done that. Um, And so we spend a lot of time sharing ideas back and forth and it kind of allows um, me not to have to reinvent a wheel. So last year the resident implemented MedSync at our store and she really utilizes what the other stores kind of were doing um, outside of Hy-Vee for how they implemented MedSync and kind of what tools they used. And we still kind of use some of those tools, but we modified them to work better for uh, Hy-Vee and our um, patient population. So she didn't have to come up with a system or a protocol on her own. She kind of had something to start with and work off of and kind of adapt it into something that works better for us. Uh, It also allows a really easy way to set up electives, um, because if Hyvie doesn't offer it, which they kind of offer everything almost, um, one of the other sites definitely do, or maybe they emphasize more on something. And so you can kind of switch around residents, or you can go with the resident at that site and shadow or even participate in that area. So I know I'm going to set up to go to Osterhaus um, and kind of see how they implement some of their unique services and how they do that in workflow and more of the documentation process because they're really good at that aspect. Um, and it's something we're trying to improve with documentation and implementing services. So, um, the kind of only downside I've found that is, um, if you are at a hospital and you have co-residents, you're with them every day, um, you can, um, really communicate and share ideas. Um, and with us, we're maybe together a few times per month. Um, in person we're always communicating with each other um almost every week if not every day so we do monday motivations where we send out that's um, awesome yeah where we send out encouraging well, there are a lot of them are memes or even fridays like if we're have if we all know we're having a rough week or if someone is having a rough week we try to sh- kind of share out stuff that's motivating um and then also just Um, different seminars that we attend. We kind of share that information every week with each other and kind of make sure that everybody's getting as much as possible out of their uh, residency. So,
0: Cool. And can you talk a little bit more about the PEPPER program uh, and how it's going uh, and how exactly you do interact? Uh, We use some kind of streaming where we would all kind of talk to each other and we would work on our abstracts. And so that submission time is over. Uh, Now, what are you guys working on in the PEPPER program, which is the teaching program there?
1: Yeah, so um, all of the other residents in Iowa, so it's us, I believe the University of Iowa and the VA um, all participate in the PEPPER program. So that's more people that you get to see um, kind of personal styles. And um, we just started a few weeks ago, and a lot of it's introductory material um, about like how to build learning objectives and how to build different courses or what what a lecture means to you kind of type thing. So um, it's nice to get exposed to different areas of academia. um, And we kind of get the expertise of Chris Catney, who's been teaching for a really long time. Um, And so she puts in her insight and also uh, gives us suggestions or ways that she would structure different things. Um, And she's been a very successful teacher. I had her for multiple courses in pharmacy school, so I definitely look up to her teaching style and the way she puts things through. So it's nice to have her um, as kind of a resource right there. And again, I said it's both community and hospital settings together, so everybody's a little bit different in their perspectives of teaching, um, whether it's patients or students or other healthcare providers. So we get a good um, kind of feel on different styles and um, development and delivery of lectures.
0: So what are your plans for the future or is long-term planning a lot like lunch?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. So I don't really have anything planned. I feel like I'm very much so um, – I like to explore my options and then kind of pick um, what's best for myself or what's best for my career. So um, there isn't anything solidified. There's things that I'm just really interested in. Um and if I could stay with Ivy, that'd be awesome because they're a great company to work for. So, and that door might not be closed either. So I'm just kind of feeling out where things lay right now. And when we hit about, oh, February, maybe I'll start to panic a little bit more about what I'm going to do with my life. But um, I'm trying to live more in the, the now and things like that. Then I know I'll get it figured out.
0: Okay. Well, I just want to ask you a couple of quick hit questions, just very uh, short questions. Uh, what's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track?
1: So, I make to do lists. I'm like a big um, believer in um, kind of making to do lists and maximizing what you need to do. So, I, I write down like every little thing that I have to do and then I kind of prioritize. So, one of my professors kind of taught me how to do like the red, yellow, green methods. So, you put up like in priority um, the red things are things that you take care of. Like today, the yellow things, if you get time to work on them and then the green are for other days or it's even bigger bonus if you get there. So I kind of use that um, to organize and prioritize what I'm doing for the day.
0: It sounds like you you really kind of have to do that as a resident. What's the best career advice you've received?
1: I think the best career advice I've received would be um, to not get too caught up in work. And so I feel like I am very focused and I'm very much like on the drive, like on the grind all the time. And so, um, I'm reminded fairly often, um, by some of my coworkers and some of my mentors that you should always do the work, like the life balance, no matter how many projects and how eager you are to kind of succeed in your residency that you need to take care of yourself as well. So.
0: Well, and what inspires you?
1: Um, that's a great question. Uh, I get a lot of inspiration from my patients, actually. So just seeing um, if I can change people's minds and I get really excited about um, maybe a patient who wasn't open to something that they need for their health, like these smoking cessation classes. And then they're coming to me later saying like, oh, I really thought this was not the best idea and I didn't want to do it, but I'm actually had some health benefits and I learned something from this. I went from smoking two packs a day and now I'm down to four and I'm really committed to trying to quit. So those are kind of the things that inspire me, um, is, and whether that's smoking or working with diabetic patients at the free clinic, um, when they come back to me, um, it's inspiring that to keep kind of going and pushing. Um, I'm also very inspired by, um, some of my friends, um, who didn't go to school and kind of are doing their own thing out in the world, um, with, music or um, they do like a lot of recording or print pressing art type things. So um, it's always interesting to me to find inspiration outside of my field as well. So they are very hard workers and they show me um, how to kind of balance that as well.
0: Yeah, it sounds like to be a good pharmacist, you got to make sure you get out of the pharmacy.
1: Um, Yeah, I think so as much as it's hard sometimes.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure some people are going to want to contact you. Sometimes they're uh, students who are just graduating or are a little bit intimidated maybe to Contact the residency director. Uh, how would uh, people contact you if they wanted a little more information about uh, your site or uh, those things?
1: Yeah, I think the best way probably is email. Okay. Um, and so that's just um, I have like a UIO email, so it's uh, Elisha E L I S H A dash um, last name Andrews, Andreas A N D R E A S at UIowa.edu. Um, that way. I don't miss you because sometimes if you try to call me um, at the store, you'll miss me because I'm sometimes bouncing all over the place where I'm with patients. Um, usually the best way is email me and I promise I will get back to you. And if you need to email me twice for me to get back to, to, me, to you, please do. So,
0: Okay. Well, I really appreciate all the information that you've given. So thank you for being on the Pharmacy Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, if you'd like to be on Pharmacy Future Leaders, please contact me at Tony underscore PharmD on Twitter. And if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, uh, please contact Todd Yuri uh, by uh, reaching out at thepharmacypodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders.